you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Mitch Hot with you this morning. Hope everyone had a nice, relaxing weekend. We got a lot of news this morning. There's the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. We're going to talk about the weakness in tech, particularly Facebook and Twitter. They had eventful weekends. Neo had an eventful weekend with Neo Day. We're going to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, I mentioned healthcare. So a lot to get to on our show today. Hit that like button. I want to also mention that today's show is sponsored by Market Structure Edge. Market Structure Edge is the first decision support platform for traders built on Market Structure. Try the new way to trade for free at marketstructureedge.com. And then we will be joined at 835 by our guest, who is the founder of Market Structure Edge, Tim Quast. So a lot to get to, Joel. And to bring up those charts, tell us how we're doing this morning. Uh, S&Ps are in the red this morning by 24 and three quarters handles. It's called 24 and a half at 37.93. Crude, it's going the same way. That's down 39 cents at 51.85. Gold, getting a little green here on gold, up 470 after a, a rough week. That's at 18.40. Silver, it's going the same way as well. That's up 22 cents at 24.86. And uh, some red for Bitcoin futures today. They're down $5,020 at 34,500. So cryptocurrency giving a little bit back over the weekend. And you know what? You look at this and you see all weekend them talking about the Bitcoin pullback. Some people calling it a Bitcoin crash. I mean, put it into perspective. It's getting back to where it was four days ago. But I was thinking all weekend, I'm like, they're probably going to hit the S&P futures on this too because it spooks everyone. There's a lot of people, a lot of money who's went into Bitcoin. It's a risk asset. You know, it's seen as, you know, obviously risk on, risk off. And I'm like, that's been leading all weekend. So I saw so many headlines about the Bitcoin crash. I'm like, well, that's got to spook futures. So futures open and they actually didn't open, S&P futures didn't open down very much. 
uh, basically flat, and then they just kept leaking them and leaking them and leaking them. So, you know, we can blame COVID, but I am actually going to blame Bitcoin for the S&P futures here this morning. So for once and probably ever, I think Bitcoin led this sell-off. Not the fact that there are concerns we've had an everything rally. Well, that's look. it. That's why Bitcoin can't. Like, I'm not saying Bitcoin is going to be your new leader. I'm just saying Bitcoin can because the everything rally, everything has been rallying together. And you have the first thing that, that the thing that doesn't close starts to sell off significantly. It's going to spook people who are long other assets. And they're going to say, okay, maybe time to lock up. So it is. I, I, I believe the reason for the sell-off this morning is Bitcoin. I don't think that's going to be like, oh, we're going to become Bitcoin and it's going to be the indicator for the whole market. But you're exactly right. Because we've had an everything rally, the one thing that's open all weekend sells off significantly spooks you in other asset classes and spooks you in the stocks. So I was spooked. I was thinking the same thing. That, oh, I bet you we're going to have an ugly Monday with Bitcoin selling off that much. And sure enough, we do. So, I mean, you get media will say COVID, media will say Trump, media will say whatever they want to say. But Bitcoin's leading this charge down here this morning. So what do you do? Question. What do you do? Question. Buy the dip? Because it always works. Seems to always work. Do you buy it's, the dip? It, it, it's working a little bit in Bitcoin already. Not a, not a ton, but a little bit. I mean, we're all Depends when you were buying the dip. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> You're buying true. the first dip. So, you know, we were down as much as 20% here. So we were off the lows. But, I mean, let's go to the Mara. Let's go to the Riot. You know, you look at these things and they're getting hammered. But let's put it in perspective. These stocks have had just incredible runs, too. I mean, Mara could lose 10 bucks and still be in an uptrend. So it's hard to just all of a sudden say the story is over here um, because it's had one bad day. Um, I'm still long Bitcoin via the QBTC in Canada. I'm sticking with it. Like I said, I sold half, uh, playing completely with the house's money, which I'm going to continue to do. I'm not a Bitcoin trader, so I don't intend to trade it. I just intend to hodl it. Joel, are you going to hodl any Bitcoins? God. <laughs> No, no. I'll wait for that pull back to twenty thousand. Are you gonna buy it at twenty thousand if you get yeah. there? Yep. Yep. See, there's there's underneath the Joel didn't even hesitate. He's a buy the dipper on Bitcoin too. The numbers on the screen. The one concern I had was the one they lost power. Where did they lose the big power outage? Where was that? Well, I knew overseas of some country or the whole country lost power for a few hours I don't oh know, wow it's like europe somewhere in europe i th thought i saw but anyway somebody tweets out hey how's your bitcoin doing i'm like <laughs> oh man if you lost the power grid that bitcoin would be in trouble <laughs> so anyways that made me laugh but anyway so, let's go on to the movers of the day today it's eli Lilly. it's the jp morgan health conference but it's eli Lilly to start it all off because they're out 24 points alzheimer's drug Shows some positivity. Spencer, give it to us. That's all you need. It's phase two data, so they're not, you know, they're not at the beginning, but they're not at the end. They're they're they're, they're midway through this process. Uh, so, so positive phase two data for their Alzheimer's drug, like you said, Dennis. Um, the what was I gonna? They all had another. They had another headline too about the FDA accepting their their drug for for heart failure, but the the Alzheimer's drug. Uh, that I don't want to try to pronounce. Ah, screw it, I'll pronounce it. It's uh, Don Nanomab, and that's your leader this morning. Yeah, that's your catalyst this morning for LLY. Wow. So we know when you get an Alzheimer's head or headline, you're going to um, see huge moves in stocks. And Eli Lilly is a huge company. You can say, oh, well, this is way overdone. 
but you know biogen when they were getting close was popping up 30 50 percent i mean these are huge companies but this is just you know if anybody can ever get an alzheimer's drug through it's going to be you know huge for the company so not surprisingly the lays up significantly here this morning you're also seeing a sympathy rally in biogen this morning too it's up seven obviously they've got the drug that doesn't look like it's going to get approved but still has a chance so lily though joel up 24 bucks it's a huge company it's a huge move it's a new all-time high i wish i would have held my eli lily from like 24 dollars when i bought it like 10 years ago but i did not i sold it 85 when i thought it was overdone it's 190 now so that was definitely a mistake buy and hold wins again should hold all those stocks too don't just hold all that bitcoin hold all those stocks Ah, boy, I think this is the biggest move I've ever seen in Lilly, um, at least to the upside. It's a big move. Yeah, one of the biggest. Uh, You got the 202, believe it or not, over that $200 barrier. And uh, what's interesting about the chart right now is that you're finding some support here. I mean, you you did pull off, but, I mean, and I know these are just uh, just 15-minute, you know, hour brackets, but hey, it's showing you here that someone's willing to buy this stock at 188 Wouldn't it be me, but someone is. So there's your early parameters, 188 and uh, 202. You came down off that 202 a few times. I don't know where there's stuff in the book in this thing. You're blowing through. We've traded a lot of levels, uh, you know, a lot of volume. So ah. Where this thing opens, I, I I don't even think I could speculate, Dennis. Well, I 200, mean. you start thinking, when you start making new all-time highs, and this is a good lesson because we have a lot of stocks making new all-time highs. The only thing you can really do if you want, don't want to look at levels is you can go to the optionality and you say, where is there open interest? Is there hmm. any strikes that have significant interest in stock like Lily? There's probably not going to be that much that stands out because i don't think anybody really had this on the radar here that oh yeah in february we're gonna get some alt or in in january we're gonna get alzheimer's you know data here but if you do go look at the options i'll just do it for fun you know look at look at the monthlies look out is there anything that's really standing out with big open interest because those can be stopping points i mean the 170s out of play um there's 10,000 contracts there for this week but obviously you can open significantly over that so you can forget about that but is there anything at 200 i mean there's 2500 contracts so it's something but it's not significant if you go further out i mean there's nothing in january um on the 22nd if you go further out go to feb i'm just flying through the call not, they the probably not have it there's just there's just not much there's not much there's somebody had a 723 at 195 257 at 200 so there was some positioning out to february but again these aren't like 50,000 contracts you know 25,000 or 257 contracts at 25,000 shares you can shoot through that like nothing so i don't really see much but you know you just think big numbers 200 bucks psychological and that's not surprising where it turned here this morning got just kissed up over 200 and then couldn't reclaim it so if you think this is just going to rip higher here it's got to get back up over 200 that's going to be your line in the sand for me um i don't like fading stocks making new all-time highs so i tried that i tried that on uh friday tesla i was like i had this feeling and maybe we should talk tesla here for a second because sure i just had this feeling and not really it wasn't even a feeling i had you know, I, I'm a relationship trader. You know, my basis isn't really charts. It's more relationships. 
So I looked, and you know, I'm looking at Amazon selling off significantly in the first 20 minutes, and I'm looking at a lot of tech stocks selling off significantly in the first 10, 20 minutes of Friday's trade. You can see the big sell-off in Amazon from 3,200 down to 3,150. And I'm like, you know what? If if the tech's all going to start puking, they'll start puking Tesla too. But uh, 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 where I made my mistake was I've been telling you guys that Tesla is the leader. Tesla has been the leader. And you know what? Tesla led because Tesla was not selling off much. I was anticipating a Tesla sell-off because we had other big techs selling off. But because Tesla was not selling off, they ended up buying the dip on the huh. Amazon. They ended up buying the dip on Apple. So you, you had this you know, separation, this gap forming early, early Friday morning trade. I thought Tesla was going to come down to try to fill the gap here, talking the gap between all the other tech stocks and Tesla wasn't selling off. And it wasn't the case. Tesla didn't sell off, and then the other stocks started to come back in. So, I mean, so use Tesla as your leader. I should have played it the other way. I've been buying the dip. And again, buy the dip just always seems to work, so I should have just did that for obvious reasons. But um, if you're buying the dip in Amazon and Apple, you were rewarded. Now, obviously, a lot of those gains are going away here this morning because a little bit of sell-off. But, I mean, and now, you know, coincidentally, you do get a Tesla sell-off to a certain extent. Uh, But you can put on any trade. Like I always say, I took a lot of heat for that. Why would you short Tesla? You're going to lose all your money. I mean, okay, one thing, stops are your friend. So when you put on something. So the way I set up this Tesla trade, it had traded up to 876. That was uh, where it traded up to. And then it had come down like 865. I thought the puke was going to continue. It did not. So I put my stop where you said put it, Joel, too. You're like, give yourself to a new high. So I did it at 876, um, and it got there about 25 minutes later, and then it obviously went up to where did we get up to like 884 or something like that? You actually yeah, gave you actually said um, I was going to put gonna, it lower than that, yeah. but I brought it up, so you lost me a little more money. <laughs> I did, yeah. So don't don't uh, don't pat me on the back. Yeah, I just because thought... I was going to do 870 because I was looking for immediate follow through, immediate gratification. Yeah. I was like, I'll give it a little bit of room. So I ended up losing, I think, 12 points on it, which is like, whoa, you lost 12 points on something. It's one percent, so I didn't lose a ton of money. Yeah, and also, um, like, if you're gonna, you know, if you are gonna try something like that in Tesla, and you think you're gonna do it with like a a ten point stop or something, you know, it's almost too tight yet. Yeah, I mean, eight hundred dollar, nine hundred dollar stock, yeah. but it was it was a valiant effort. It's I, almost it's it's almost too tight. A ten point stop is almost too tight on the thing because it's it just is. chopping around and you're going to get stopped out. I mean, just shorting tests, shorting stocks, making all time highs, breaking all kinds of rules. Odds of you making money on that trade are probably pretty slim. Despite you know what I was looking at was the relationships, and I make a lot of money trading those relationships. Don't kid yourself. You see leaders start to fall, other stocks start to fall as well. Even Bitcoin saying that Bitcoin was the leader. If you were short S and P futures at the open, you know to, on Sunday night open. You're making some money here right now just saying, hey, this might be a risk-off day because a lot of people are getting spanked in Bitcoin. And if they're in other things, they might be spooked. So it's just all these stocks have relationships. They tend to follow each other, even Bitcoin. I know they say, oh, it's nothing to do. And you get pomp on uh, CNBC saying there's zero correlation between that and the markets. Not in the last six months. Maybe in the last six years, but not in the last six months. Bitcoin has been very much correlated with the markets. We had the big sell-off in March. Bitcoin yep. gets banked. You had the big you know, rally here and the, the everything rally. Bitcoin's right along participating in it. Obviously, it's participating at a much higher percentage level. It's much more volatile than the overall market. But to say there's no relationship, at least in the last few months, is wrong. Over the last six years, sure, maybe the data shows that because you have five and a half years skewing it the other way. But I can tell you right now, Bitcoin is trading as a risk asset. 
at least right now. It's a $34,000, $400 risk asset. It is. Right? And, yep. you know, yep. So you're buying a 20000 Spencer, are you going to get in this Bitcoin at all? And you I, I, I bought some. Oh, I, you bought I, it when I did. Yeah, I bought Back in some, the Thanksgiving mass day massacre. When did I buy some? I think you did. Sometime in like November, December. I don't remember. I thought exactly it was the same, same time I did. Thanksgiving. It was a day little massacre. bit. I bought 17,000. Yeah, I think it was like early December, mid December. I don't yeah. remember exactly. But yeah. So, okay. Let's move on. We talked Lily. Let's talk Twitter because Twitter is getting spanked here this morning. They have officially canceled and kicked Donald Trump off Twitter. And all of his followers are selling the stock. <laughs> it's well, down. This is down pretty good. I mean, it, it's a very interesting trade this morning because yeah. Facebook, Facebook is down too, right? Because yeah. Facebook also took steps to to uh, ban uh, Trump, but uh, Snapchat did the same thing, and they're not trading down. And Amazon is not hosting uh, Parler and. Uh, I mean, it's obviously it's a much more diversified business, so I don't think Amazon would trade off that one headline. But if Twitter and Facebook are going to trade down, you would think Snapchat would trade down too for doing the exact same thing. I don't know. It's an interesting reaction. Um, probably an overreaction, right? You would I, assume? I think so. Um, here's my thoughts is that I don't, you know, I'm not on Snapchat. And I don't go on Facebook much, yeah. but I feel like Twitter was Trump's, like, place to talk like twitter yeah you know it's his tweets we were never talking about oh twitter set on snapchat or twitter set on facebook or trump's trump. or, or yeah. trump set on yeah. facebook trump said on twitter everything you wanted to say right and there is a lot of people who are just on twitter just to honestly like the people are like following donald trump and they're like if you know my president's gonna talk on twitter i'm gonna talk on twitter like that you gotta think about this still too there's still a lot of trump supporters out there we saw a lot of them, obviously, last week. But, I mean, there's still a lot of Trump supporters out there. And they're seeing this as, you know, the, Trump was, you know, a, a big reason to be on Twitter. He was for a lot of people. Now, not for us, stock traders, uh, but for a lot of people, he was the reason. So do they lose users because of this? The market is saying yes. They use this, lose a significant amount of, of users. Um, I think it's a dip to buy. I would say maybe wait a day and see how it fizzles out. I don't know if it's just going to snap right back, but it might. I mean, I, I, I sold this stock. I sold it bad. I, I kind of want to be back in. So this is one I, I kind of, this is a dip I kind of do want to buy. I'd love it at 45. There's some support there. I don't know if it gets that low. How how, how low have we been in pre-market, Joel? Uh, we're trading right near the lows of the pre-market session. Uh, just after that 4 a.m. open, you got to 47.15. So you're still, it looks like, Still have uh, some work to go on the downside. Uh, your big move day, I'm not sure if that was earnings or that's when um, uh, Pin Interest had a good report. But uh, there's a daily low at 46.54. Couple, Actually, a couple areas right there, 46.50. Let's call it, yeah, let's call it 46 to 46.50. You got to give yourself a little, you know a little more room than just picking out one number. So we'll see if it gets down there today. The one thing I'll say that has always concerned me about Twitter and Facebook specifically is we have very little clarity as to how many of their active users are actually real people, right? Like, so they obviously report monthly active users, daily active users every quarter. And in Facebook's case, it was going up every time. And in Twitter's case, it wasn't. But 
we know there are a lot of bots on those platforms. I just yes. and but we have no idea how many, right? We we just have very little insight as to how many of the active users are actually real people. I'm sure they know, but we don't know. Like the public doesn't know, and you know this is the developments of the of this past weekend are not going to help us answer that question. But that that's one thing that has that has always sort of um, annoyed me about both platforms is we, we really don't know how many of their monthly active users are real people so i'm i lost i lost about 100 followers over the weekend there was like a, a they were basically you know there was a lot of followers a lot of people said they lost a lot of followers um because right but like Twitter but but, but my, my point is are, are those was. real were those real people well or i don't you, know yeah the, yeah. But there were some people that were complaining they lost, like, you know, some big people that had, you know, 80,000 followers lost, like, 10,000 followers. I lost about 100. I noticed it. Um, not Really? 12.3. Yeah, I lost about 100. But there were, no, there, Joel, there was, like, some people that lost, like, 10% of their following over the weekend. So there was some maybe bot, like, you know, maybe they were cutting it back. I'm not sure yeah, why no, that that's, that's what I'm saying is, like, maybe, like... I, I, we, just, we just have no idea. So all the people saying they lost followers, like you, Dennis, maybe it was just like one person flipping a switch, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think so. I think it was like a bunch of bots that they knocked off. I mean, yeah. You know, 100 followers wasn't a big deal. But, I mean, there's some people that were, like, pretty ticked off about it. Like, I was seeing some complaints about it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I lost 50,000 followers because somebody had, like, 700,000 followers and they're down to 650. I mean, I don't know if they just flipped a switch and they were getting rid of a bunch of bots. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened. What does all this mean to the stock, though? I mean, Joel, what are your thoughts? You own Twitter. Would you buy this pullback? No. Do you think it's going away? Is this a big issue? Let's take let's take it to the big question. Is Trump being kicked off Twitter a big issue for Twitter? Today, no. In the short term, no. Well, today not. it is. It's down 8%. Well, no, but. but there's not, nothing's going to happen. The business isn't, isn't going to change fundamentally today, right? The, que- the question really is, is there going to be any regulatory reactions to this right are there going to be new laws put in place because as people are noting in the chat it wasn't just facebook and twitter it was apple it was amazon uh a bunch of the tech platform they basically got like de-platform trump got like de-platform over the weekend um stripe is not processing payments for the 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 trump uh campaign site so i mean like they got de-platform that's the real question is is there going to be any long-term regulatory pushback regulatory changes that would that would impact the business twitter's business has, has not been impacted today in my opinion that so that's the question is there going to be any regulatory changes i don't know like we said last week right uh everybody's mad at tech it's not just the republicans now right the democrats are mad at tech too so tech regulation is going to be on the agenda in in the Biden administration um so it, it's a very real concern, not just for Twitter, but for for Apple, for for Amazon, for Google, for Facebook. I I wouldn't I wouldn't turn bearish, but I don't I don't know if I'm excited either. You know. I I think I, I'm a buyer of the dip. I think I am. I don't know if I'm at forty seven fifty though, or I'm going to try to you know be cheap and try to get it down to forty five. But I sold my stock after the disappointing earnings i basically sold it right away because i was spooked on it and it was a mistake and you know obviously don't sell the dip sell the sell the rep so i did that one wrong i'm getting a chance to get it back so is though the question i'm I'm still wondering if it's the same business without donald trump because it does ding it there is a lot of people who look at that just for trump so i mean that's the question to be answered but i think i am a buy the i I haven't thought enough about it yet i'm kind of i'm kind of on the buy the dip camp so um 
I kind of uh, I did something that I tell you guys not to do, and I'm kind of not happy with myself. You know you how do? I said, you know, don't sell stocks, you know, tax gains and stuff, and I didn't, and uh, and then I didn't pull the trigger last week to get rid of what I had, and that was that was very stupid. On Twitter, I, yeah. Oh, you were holding on just so you didn't have to pay the tax? No, I mean I talked about it with you know, uh, you know, with, with the one boss? of my buddies. No, she. She's not too This isn't her stock. No. You're allowed to do what you want on this stock. Yeah. This was a so, Joel pick. Yeah, so I I mean I it just it was stupid. And it and set up technically, so I might uh it may be removed from either of my pages of stocks to look at for the next six months. <laughs> so you're always holding that. But bottom line. No, I don't know what I'm doing with it. I don't want to look at it. In fact, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Bottom line. Oh, no, you know, angry. You know. Let's that, talk about Facebook or something. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just put That's a bow on this. You know that Twitter and Facebook are going to be all over the news, not just today, like for the next week or more. Right, so there's going to be a lot of discussion. Hopefully, not a ton on our show because there's not. Gonna yeah, I mean, this is such a <laughs> like this is getting so into politics and and you know, I I, I just don't think it really has any any long-term. I mean, part of, yeah, stock. I mean, they're supported. Uh, where are we trading at? We're trading two sixty one eighty in uh, Facebook. Um, you got you got a couple lows. I'll give the zone on this one. 255 to 260 i see that one low at 255 another one just in there so if you're doing some zone trading monthly looks kind of heavy kind of got a little bit of a rising wedge or just a nice nice triangle there if you uh, draw the trend lines don't feel like doing it off the monthly <laughs> highs and off the monthly lows so uh, these stocks are they got some work to do. I I don't know if the the old time highs are in for good, but there's they're gonna like you said, Dennis, they're gonna be in the news a lot. Something to be mindful of in the retail driven market is things that are in the news can move. And it, so it's all about retail. What are they doing? I mean, let's take Sarepta Therapeutics here, SRPT. Why do you think it's up today? It's up six percent. Why like if you didn't like, okay, oh, it's a nice bounce back. It's by the dip. No, you know why it's up? Kathy Wood bought the Yeah, stock. I that's saw not, that. Well, that. That's, that's not, all. That's, that's, all. Not, that's not retail. That's Kathy Wood. No, but, doing, yeah, no, but it's up. No, retail. it is. No, that's not right. Kathy Wood bought it. And didn't She probably she could be buying again today, but she bought it on Friday. Right. It was going down on right. Friday. Uh, it was, is up today because of all the retail lemmings that just chase Kathy Wood. Everybody, you know what? It works. I was the same way. I picked up some. On that, you know, I was doing the same thing. I was like, oh, Kathy's buying it. I'm buying it, too. And I've already sold into it because I thought it was overdone. But, you know, maybe it's not. Sometimes you get follow-through on these moves. I mean, they are just hungry for anything Kathy touches. They are just, like, sitting there. The bots are sitting there. Everybody, what's Kathy going to buy? What's Kathy going to buy? Let's go. Let's buy it. I mean, it's it's crazy how hot she is. for, And the retail's all over. And retail's driving price. That was just here today because Kathy Wood bought some stuff. Exactly, and 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 yesterday was a or Friday was a statistical anomaly in the stock. You know, of course it was bad news. We've seen this thing happen before, but did you see the way this thing? uh, You never got to the pre-market low, and it just flatlined. I mean, it was just. I looked at the fifteen-minute chart late in the day. It was you could tell someone was just in there saying. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not lifting offers. How many shares did it trade on Friday? I, oh, well, so it's a great call by her. Uh, well, you know? we don't know that. No, I'm not going to say that at all. Well, right now, 
Well, because anything she buys, Joel, she instantly gets 5% on it. Every single stock, if you're, you know, listen, you know, we've been talking about this trade for like the last month. Anything she touches goes up 5%, so it doesn't matter what she picks. We don't know if it's a good call or not yet, because this is the Kathy Wood pop. This is like the Warren Buffett pop, when they disclose that they bought something. So that's the advantage of being, you know, as, as hot as she is right now, is that she just buys a stock. She's instantly up 5% in it because it's getting disclosed, and she does it in a unique way and discloses it that day. So a lot of times you don't see it for a few days, and sometimes in some of these hedge fund manager cases, you don't see it for 45 days. She does it in a unique way, and you see it right away. So, I mean, she's making money instantly on any stock she picks. And, you know, this was a smart one to pick because there's a lot of people who wanted to buy the dip on this. She shows you, okay, here, boom, I bought, what you buy, 800,000 shares? Yeah, but does she, do we know if, if she trades any options at all? I don't see that, so I think I don't know if they that. disclose that because, and I'm just giving a theoretical, you know, scenario. I think they here. disclose it all. They disclose it all, so I she doesn't so. trade options. It, I, I don't, no, I don't think so because she's buying holdings for the for the fund, and they disclose, for the fund. They disclose okay. what's in the fund. Yeah, uh, if, if, yeah, you, if you don't follow, anything. if you don't follow Eric Bautunis on Twitter, you you really should. He's a he's an ETF analyst at Bloomberg. He tweets incredible stats about ETF. Uh, flows, Thanks, Kenny. Uh, all, said just in stock. all the time. And uh, he tweeted on uh, this morning that the ARC and Bill Big D, I just saw this said as well. Um, the ARC family of funds took in $1.2 billion of inflows on Friday alone. That's point, why she's just buying everything. $1.2 billion of new money went into the, what, the five or six ARC ETFs in one day. It's insane. Yeah. How? How much of this, you know, you just start analyzing it here, and how much of this, you know, like all, all these stocks, is just Kathy Wood's, you know, the whole reason they're going up is Kathy Wood. I mean, BLI, which she's bought a few times, and obviously, you know, it had the ugly candle, so I guess maybe they aren't sustainable, but I mean, I'm telling you, they get 5 10% pops on her. That skills, SKL, Zebra. And, and it's hard. I mean, you know, I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to make money and just chase her. But if you're coming in here buying Sarepta this morning, you're paying up 6% more than Kathy did. So are you giving up a lot of the edge? You're giving up a lot of the edge for sure. But there's no way, you know, to know if there's going to be more follow through. Is she buying more tomorrow? You know, right. you, you don't That's know. That's the thing things. is you don't know if she's done buying. She yeah, because be. when she's done buying, you see sell-offs in these stocks. They're like, oh, she's done. And then they want to sell them right away. I mean, the, you know, some of these moves aren't that sustainable. So you can say, oh, yeah, she's going to buy some more. I'm going to buy some of that. And then she doesn't buy it. They hit the stock because Kathy Wood didn't buy more. I mean, that's how much influence she has right now. So it's a whole, you know, trading around Kathy Wood. But, I mean, it's, on. you know, she's the hottest thing in the market. Tesla made the call. We know why she, you know, is hot. And, obviously, you know, she's made some really good stock picks. It's been a growth market and she's all growth so she's in the perfect spot like i don't know when that if it changes back to value she's going to start to probably underperform but i don't know if it's ever going back when the hell is the last time value has been in favor for you know we're going back a long time 15, 15 value's years been in favor 15 years I don't it's know. been a tough value i know i'm kind of a value investor and it sucks you know you got to just kind of forget about what the pe is and just buy the growth in the story, and that's what works. And, you know, I've been doing that more in the last couple of years and probably doing better in my long-term portfolio because of it. Again, my trading hat versus my investing hat. I've always kind of invested that I don't want to get just silly, you know, and just pay anything for companies. But I'm telling you, the money has been made just getting silly and paying anything for companies. I don't know when, you know, that doesn't work anymore, but that's what's been working. Growth at any cost. I always wanted growth at a reasonable cost. 
growth at any cost has been making more money in the last year. Does anybody coin that? Growth at any cost? Yeah. I don't know. Growth at GAC. any, so it'd be GAC. GAC. <laughs> and then when you get out, it's yak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we're making stuff. So this will show up on CNBC in an hour. So I'd say watch or no. That was good, Joel. <laughs> yak and yak. We're taking yak. Growth at any cost. I like yak. Yak is the inverse of gak, no doubt. Uh, all right, 832, we're going to have Tim Quast on in a couple minutes. Let's just talk Neo here for a second. They had Neo Day over the weekend, so uh, they announced a new car, as they said they would. The ET7 uh, comes with autonomous driving, longer uh, battery range. They talked about new incentives, uh, new power stations, new battery packs, the whole nine yards. And what's Neo doing this morning? Oh, it's up 11%. I said on Kenny's show... Um, I was on Thursday night with Kenny Glick on Hit the Bed, and we talked a bunch of stock charts. Uh, I was on with JC, too, and I said, I like the NCLH has uh, – and I, I'm just going to recap in a little bit with what we said with Kenny. I was like, I like the NCLH. I've gotten in the launch portfolio as a reopening play. And JC comes on and says, this is what we call an SHIT burger. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not saying I like it technically. I'm saying I just like it as a reopening play. But anyways, we were both in agreement on Neo, all three of us. All three of us were in agreement on Neo. This was last Thursday when the stock was $53, and we like we all liked the chart. It all looked like it was ready to go. How much Neo did I buy? None. <laughs> but I should have because I said on Kenny's show, I said, I think it could go to 100 bucks. I'll say it again. I think it could go to $100. Um, I'd be a buyer of pullbacks on Neo. I'm not in it. Wish I was. Um, but, you know, I talk a stock and then I forget about it. And I, do, I come back to it and think, why did It I was hard because it had that big run into it, you know? The big anticipation, <clears throat> you know, uh, a little Friday, bit into the, yeah, into the Neo Friday day. It did, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's hard to hold these stocks through the events too, Joel, because you know sometimes these events don't turn out the way you want them to turn out. So I mean, whenever you hold it through an earnings event or a Neo Day or, or like an investors event, I mean, there's always a risk that they say something that the market doesn't like. So you do have risk. But I mean, just the technicals on this, those three, four highs last week bunching up against each other, you know, coming back. It looked like it wanted to break out. And here it is. You know, you get the breakout on Friday. You get the follow through from the Neo Day here today. I mean, this is just, you know, technical analysis 101 breakout trade. Uh, bunching up right near the highs of the session at 60. I don't know why someone sold it down to 63 when you can sell it at 65 i mean there's a little interest here just under 66 i don't know if they'll be there during the regular session but uh the last since uh eight o'clock since uh we started the show uh someone someone's unloading a little bit at 66 who knows you know if they're done 120,000 shares have traded all right, uh, let me bring on our guest here as I'm trying to do a couple things uh, at once. But Tim Quast, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is the founder and CEO of Market Structure Eds. Edge. Joining us now for Market Structure Mondays. Let's bring Tim on here. Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. I'll tell you, it's it's tough to follow Gak and Yak. That's a... <laughs> Yeah. That's like going to that? be going to be hard to match. <laughs> yeah, get us the quantitative <laughs> stuff on this. The GAC. Those could catch on. <laughs> <laughs> the growth at any cost. I was always a GARP guy. Growth at a reasonable yeah, right. price. But right. I'm telling you, man, 
It's been growth at any cost this market, and that's what's been making money is the GAC. And Joel's it, predicting the yak soon, I guess. It's, uh, <laughs> when what's making money is GAC, uh, that says a lot. It is. This is the market. <laughs> that is GAC is making the money. So is that changed today all of a sudden? Does everything change here today? I mean, we have been overbought. We have been overbought on a lot of stocks. And I, I got spooked right. on Friday, and I tweeted out I sold like eight of my long swing trades because I was like, some of these stocks mm-hmm. have went up like 100% in three weeks. I'm like, it's right. time to like maybe ring the register and lock in a little bit of the gains of sounds of partial positions. On some stocks, I sold the whole thing. I mean, what, what are the numbers saying? What are you saying here, Tim? Well, again, it always comes back to how you value the market, right? What's your mechanism or lens through which you, you look at things? Uh, certainly, if you're looking at it fundamentally, you have to keep, it, keep moving the bar, keep moving the goalposts, kind of like with the pandemic. Uh, <clears throat> but the, <clears throat> the way that we see it, sentiment, and, and we, we think of sentiment as supply and demand. In, fa- in fact, I want to show you NEO. Since you were talking about yeah. NEO, I'll show you. And then we'll come back to a couple of things uh, that we can cover very quickly. But to us, supply and demand is what determines the direction of the market. And right now on a 10-point scale, uh, of supply and demand, the market is at 5.7. And a market above 5.0 has a propensity to rise. And it doesn't have to be rational. It simply means that money is willing to pay more for things. And so long as that remains true, it will continue. But it always reminds me of, of uh, Stein's law. And I've, I mentioned this last week too. I love it because it's funny. Uh, that's Herb Stein, father of Ben Stein. Uh, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah, who, yeah. who said, Bueller, that, Bueller. right, <laughs> anyone, 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 one of my favorite lines. <laughs> That's an uh, awesome movie. And, uh, and it, so Herb Stein said, if something cannot last forever, it will stop. And it will stop at some point. Uh, we know that that's the case. So why not? Let me show you, if I can, let me just show you Neo since we, since we can yeah. do this. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Uh, let's see here. And then, and then we'll we'll come back to the the big picture. So this and this, I, th- I think it will dovetail well uh, with some of your comments, Dennis. But okay. so so I'm going to look at this pure. So EV, I've got an electric vehicles portfolio here at Edge. This is Market Structure Edge, by the way, MarketStructureEdge.com. Yeah. So if we go look at Neo, the thing that you will see is that Neo is a nine out of ten, but the trend remains up, and it's less than fifty percent short. Uh, the key behavior driving this stock up is machines. Well, that's okay. It tells you, though, that you're probably getting near the end. But if we look at the data visualizations here, here is, here is sentiment in green, light green, and there's the price in the darker color. So long as it's above five, it will have a propensity to rise. Here's the entry point at one with short volume right at trend, then short volume dipped sharply below trend. That tends to be good for price. And, and even though it hit 10, this tells us this stock can continue to rise, at least for a period of time. So long as it's above five, there is more demand than supply, and it doesn't matter what the headlines are, doesn't matter what the news is, doesn't matter who's buying or selling it, it will have a propensity to rise. But at some point, it will stop. Right. And we'll know when it reverts below five. So give us back to those numbers again, where you said Neo is a nine. And and, and when you get to these higher levels, you said it's probably, you know, getting towards the end of it. Tell us again about these numbers, because some people are just tuning in to see you for the first time here. Tell us again about these numbers and market structure. 
so market structure edge is predicated on the on the idea that the, there are behaviors uh, that, that have different purposes and horizons behind price and volume, and uh, there are rules that govern how those prices and behaviors will affect the market. And we think of that rule as regulation national market system, right? So Reg MS, big uh, regulatory framework for how stocks trade. And it dovetails into ETFs, which I want to talk about briefly this morning because it's an important part of market structure. Uh, so we say that, that, that traders today since 90% of the activity in the market, believe it or not, more than 90% is something other than rational thought that your best opportunity to make money in the stock market is to understand that it's a great environment for what I would describe as medium frequency trading. The market has a, has a propensity to wax and wane and all stocks do it, all sectors do it, the market does it. And if you can capture the opportunities where demand is greater than supply and avoid the conditions where when supply is greater than demand, you can do better in the market that we've got. Do I like the market? Probably not more than you do, Dennis, but <laughs> we we make the most of it, right? If yes. we were in charge, it might function differently than it does, but given yes. what we've got, we're going to make the most of it. And that's what Market Structure Edge is about. I appreciate that. So, Wait, uh, Tim, Tim, uh, I, yes. I want to ask you a question. So, we, we just had this conversation before you came on about about Kathy Wooden and the the massive yep. flows into her family of funds. Right. W within that context, can you just talk about how like fund flows can just mess with the market? That if so, as as uh, Louis Navalier, I've just dated myself. As Louis Navalier would know. say, that's a that great is. question. I don't know that's who a... that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so our, you know, ARC has been the great ETF phenomenon, uh, ETF standing for exchange traded fund. And it's very important to understand how ETFs work. They're very complicated. You know, we did three years of research to understand the mechanisms in ETFs. And I'll make this very simple. Take those three years, boil it down to about two minutes. You have to understand investors and traders that there is a wholesale market for ETFs and a retail market. That is a product of exemptive orders from the SEC that permit ETFs to function differently than pooled investments under the Investment Company Act of 1940. So ETFs are created wholesale. A party like Morgan Stanley will create them 100,000 shares at a time off market in a block, commission-free, tax-free. And how this happens is Morgan Stanley will gather up stocks, a basket of stocks. It could be cash. It could be a cash substitute, cash in lieu, it's called. And it will be worth a certain amount, let's say $10 million. And they will give that to ARC. And ARC will say, now you can create $10 million of ETF shares to sell to the public. And Morgan Stanley will want to mark it up just a little bit. And ARC wants to earn a fee. They want to create ETF shares. By the way, in November, $90 billion of new ETF shares were created. So far this year, $5.2 trillion of ETF shares have been created and redeemed. And every time that occurs, there's an arbitrage trade. So you and I as investors buy a slip of paper effectively. I could, it could be my pen. I could tell you my pen is worth whatever is in my wallet. And so long as you believe that, my pen is traded as if it had equal value to what's, to what's in my wallet. My wallet could be empty. It could be full of cash. That's the way ETFs work. 
ETFs are a substitute for underlying stocks. ARK is managing a portfolio that belongs to ARK. It does not belong to you. You cannot go to ARK and trade your ETF shares and get the underlying basket of stocks. You would if you own a mutual fund. A mutual fund is required by law as a pooled investment to be redeemable. And all ETFs are exempted from that provision. Now, that's not, that's not, that doesn't mean the market is full of danger. But it's very important to understand that ETFs are derivatives. They're substitutes that trade in place of stocks. That's why they're very elastic. So we are valuing ARK shares as though it reflected a massive investment in Tesla, which it does, but the paper doesn't. That's an important principle to understand. The second piece of the puzzle is then where do they get their prices? If they have no intrinsic value, how is an ETF priced? It's priced on perception. And whether an ETF is above the value of the underlying basket or below it. And that mechanism encourages people to arbitrage the difference. And that works really well so long as everything is normal. That's, that's the be- essence of ETFs. Right. And just to clarify, what you said is not necessarily a bad thing. That's why, right. that's why ETFs are so tax efficient. But but right. can you right, see, right, right. do you see sometimes it, the process go the other way where demand for an ETF sort of, it, it, like it works in reverse and it creates demand for the underlying shares? Of course. It's very much like a currency. I think the best way to understand ETFs is to think of them as currencies. So if a currency increases in supply and the perception is that currency is valuable, pen and wallet, remember, uh, then the, the presence of ETFs, this massive amount of currency, can pull all prices up. It's very much like the U.S. dollar. When the Federal Reserve's balance sheet went from $3.8 trillion before the pandemic to $7.4 trillion currently, the presence of that extra money to offset the decline in output caused what? Well, all asset prices that are risk-based to rise. And the same thing can happen with ETFs. So the great question is, what causes that to stop working? Right? It's the, it's the greatest question of all. And the simplest answer is when perception fails. If you stop believing my pen is of the same value as whatever is in my wallet, we're in trouble. And the same thing will be in the, uh, true in the stock market. It's happened twice. May 6, 2010, almost oh, 78% of all volatility halted instruments were ETFs because they diverged 30% from the underlying basket. And, and it happened in August 24, 2015. Now, we've put some safeguards in there to improve it. I'm not saying this guy. I think the problem will be when the spreads go away. And it, they really narrowed last week, by the way. We've had these ca- catastrophic spreads that I think really encouraged an arbitrage trade. And last week, they narrowed way down. So it'll be very interesting to see if the profit opportunity is there. Is a trader willing to trade a three basis point trade versus a 30 basis point trade? Well, it's not nearly as appealing. And keep in mind, most people don't realize the average component of the S&P 500 moves 310 basis points every day. There's a lot of volatility. And, and, you know, volatility is key to options, too. Tim, Bob, before we let you go, um, I got a little useless trivia question, but I don't I don't want you to. I I think you're going to know the answer. So I don't you're not included. No, so he's not including you, Tim. You can't be in this one, okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Do I get to answer? Yeah, you yeah. get to yeah. answer. Get Everyone to answer. in the chat gets to it's answer. 
It's a it's a two part question. Oh my goodness! Oh boy. It's gonna take the rest of the show. Oh no! Yeah. Okay. Two part. I'll forget the first. You know, at I, my I, age, I will forget the first part before you. I have a goldfish to, memory to too, part. Tim. Here, six seconds. <laughs> if you don't get the first part I, on six I, seconds, I'm Joel, screwed. What do you got? I, I, I flushed the cash because there's not enough of it to absorb any more information. <laughs> Joel, what do you got? <laughs> Who is Herb Stein's son? Oh man. Oh, that's a tough son. one. Another one. Oh, come on. Oh, man. The chat, I'm sure, is, if, they're, if they're looking is at this. Is he famous? Very. Very famous son. Huh. So you go Ben to Herb to. Wait. No, no. no. Herb to Ben. Didn't we just go over this? <laughs> no, no. The other way. Uh, it, it was subtly in there. You're right, Spencer. It was okay. There. That's the first part. <laughs> Did we, what, we just talk about this 10 minutes ago? All right, what TV show was he famous for? And what character did he play? He was in Ferris Bueller. That's not a show. Well, it was a show, but after the movie, right? Uh, it was a show afterwards. He was in a couple shows. I don't know. All right. Um, he was the science teacher in the Wonder Years. There you go. Was well he? done, sir. Yeah. Yes. All right. That's that. right. That's the... The right. any anyone anyone that's would what, show up that, again there. That's right. what you get. Ben earlier, so right, that's right. what you get. You did say Ben. You stuck it in. I didn't know if people no, will, we uh, about will catch it. You, yeah. you fell yeah. asleep again, Joel. You got to take your meds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Tim Quas. As I mentioned, he's the founder and CEO of Market Structure Edge. Market Structure Edge uh, is the first decision support platform for traders built on market structure. I'll pull up the link there. Try the new way to trade for free. MarketStructureEdge.com. Tim Quast, always a pleasure, sir. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks for the insights. We'll talk Thanks, to you Tim. again. Good to see you guys. Have a good week. All right. Stay safe out there. Lo- lo- Thank love you. the Market Structure Monday here. St- st- stay <laughs> safe and sane. All right. Uh, 849, let's do some questions from our chat. Someone asked us about Boeing. We'll pull the chart up. Um, this, this poor company can't get out of it. No, they get another plane crash. I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, was it the Max? Everybody's asked the first question. Was not the Max, correct? Was not the no, Max. No, it was a much older plane. Uh, still not good. No, still, of course, not good. The 737-500 uh, crashed in Indonesia on Saturday. Of course, horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. I think I saw 62 people on board. They, they've already found a wreckage. Just absolutely terrible. And... I don't know what you say about this. So, again, this is a reopening trade. I know some people were telling me it's not a reopening trade because they got the defense business. They have so much other stuff going on. But it's still, you know, commercial airliners are a huge part of this. Um, never good when you get a plane crash, obviously, for the stock either. I mean, you have some support in this 200 area. Does it hold the 202? Do the buy the dippers come in here? I mean, we're significantly off the 240 area from where you know everybody was jumping on the bandwagon here. It's come back down. This 200 is good support. I don't know. There's just so many unknowns here. And really, the reopening trade has really stalled out. I mean, we've talked about the everything rally. But, you know, I'm not in a lot of these reopening trades, but I'm in a few of them. And you can see NCLH. You can see American Airlines. The stocks have all pulled back significantly. So if you want to get them and you think we're going full reopening, I mean, there is that opportunity here now. It's just not just a smooth sailing as, you know, maybe a lot of people would hope, though. And that's why the stocks just cannot seem to hold a bit. NCLH looks interesting in where it's at. And this was something I drew up a while ago, so... Keep an eye on that area right there. Is it trading below it? Area. Yeah, we're below it, it, that it's area. It's just been hung out here too long. Yeah, yeah. It's in a yep. range. 
So 23 to 26, 23 to 26, and it's going to be COVID that's going to take us either way. Like I said, you know, if you start to get spread and you start to get, you know, if you ever got a headline that, you know, the vaccine doesn't work on the mutation, I've said all these stocks are in huge trouble. We don't think that's going to happen because, again, Pfizer said they think it works on the mutation. Moderna said they think it works on the mutation. It better work on the mutated version. If it doesn't, reopening trade will come off hard. So uh, that's the risk. Um we know COVID is the risk on all these stocks. Are people going to jump back in and want to go on a cruise once they get vaccinated? Some people. The one thing about the vaccination, I'm reading this again and again, is, you know, you just can't, even if you get vaccinated, it's not like business as usual because you can still, from what I'm reading, be a carrier of it. So even though you get vaccinated, it means you're not going to get sick, but or you have a less likelihood to get sick. But can you still be carrying the disease to make somebody else sick? Those studies are still underway, but they tend to think that it might be the case, that you could still be a carrier. So I guess until everybody gets vaccinated, we know half the world doesn't want to get vaccinated, it doesn't seem like. Um, I, I, wait, I want to add one thing on the cruises before yeah. you go too far away from that. Uh, thanks to Mitch for pointing this out. Carnival yeah. is does have a conference call today with analysts at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So there will probably be some headlines coming out of that. And anyone trading Carnival or the cruise uh, cruise line stocks today, be mindful. 10 a.m. Eastern, conference call with analysts and the executive team. So I imagine we'll see a couple headlines at a Carnival today. Yeah, just look at it, this Boeing. I, I know someone asked about it last week. I, I don't know if it was in the afternoon show or not. And it, it just looked kind of tough. You know, it had it had a nice run up, and then you had a lot of red candles. Step down sellers at 220. Dennis mentioned that 200 area that fills the gap. There's even a gap below that between like 160 and 172. But uh, you know, you like this could be a headline for you too. I mean, if, if it comes out, you know, total pilot error, you know, then it'll rip. If it right. you know, <laughs> comes out, I'm surprised it's not down. When I heard the news, I thought I thought it would be down a lot more, but. Um, that's where it is, trading at the lows of the pre-market session at 201.65. Right. Much older plane. I mean, probably, too soon to say for sure, but, I mean, Boeing, you know, they have a lot of planes out there. The vast majority don't crash. Obviously, flying is still very safe. Yeah. But yep. but this is sort of the cost of, of owning the shares, right? Of The cost of owning Boeing is is the headliner risk for this sort of thing happening. It's happened a number of times over the past couple of years. So It's headline risk in everything. It's yeah. COVID headline risk. This is headline risk stock 101. Yep. Boeing is headline risk stock 101. It's all headline driven. I trade headlines. This is a headline stock. Don't kid yourself. So, you know, you can tra- trade anything technically. Technicals work great in the absence of headlines. Headlines will make any chart do whatever the hell it wants to do. You know, like stock goes bankrupt, stock goes, well, not, maybe not always, 20, but not you know, always. in a lot of cases it's going down. I mean, you know, yes, the technicals can sometimes lead. Yes, the technicals, you know, we, we look at technicals to think of where a stock is going to go afterwards, but to dictate direction of a move. That's why most of your technical analysts don't like to hold through an earnings event because sometimes the earnings events can tend to tie if you've had a run up into the earnings while there's a lot of expectations priced in. So you still want to use technicals, but if you have out of the blue headlines, Stocks can do wicked things irrespective of how the technicals look. I don't know if that's a word. Okay. Um, I think it is. I uh, see a few, people <laughs> talk, a, few, a few people talking about Salesforce here. They caught a downgrade this morning from Piper Sandler to neutral. They lowered the price target uh, from 278 to 242. Downgraded is from overweight to neutral. There's Man, a lot of dogs. Just been hanging out. 
not going up. Not going up. I bought a small piece at like 222 on dip day when it had the big dip. I was like, I'll take a half size position. We know when I take a half size position, I'm not fully convicted, and I'm often wrong. I just kind of wanted to buy the dip. Um, I don't know. This stock just doesn't want to. It's not performing. It, it's tried to rally a couple of times and just keeps petering out. So it looks like it wants to go lower. The stock looks like it wants to go lower. Completely talking as my book here. 215 is a lie in the sand. It has to hold that. If it takes out 215, it's gonna. I think it's going to 200. So we'll see if it can hold 215. Um, I'm I'm not in love with the technicals whatsoever on the stock. I think this is pretty easy. The Give street has spoken. They don't like the slack deal. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, the stock has not recovered from paying that huge, ridiculous premium for Slack. For a, pr right. for a platform that went down a couple of weeks ago. You're right. And what is Benioff? <laughs> I mean, okay, so you think about, you know, what has Salesforce done for me lately? You know, and they bought Slack and they took her, you know, and they paid a huge premium for a stock, you know, trading 24 and they paid 42 for it. I mean, and it was big bucks. So you're exactly right, Joel. And maybe it's going to take a little bit of while before they start to see some benefit from that. And the market is pricing that in. I think CRM talking again against my book because I have a small piece. I think it's going 200. It takes out 215. I think there's a trade down to 200 on the short side. And then you buy the dip. At 200. Just to clarify. Well, okay. you, you always buy the dip. <laughs> you always buy the dip. <laughs> All right. What about Alibaba here? Uh, more headlines over the weekend about, about U.S. Uh, uh, U.S. firms and NICE delisting uh, Chinese or Hong Kong listed products that have exposure to specific blacklisted Chinese industries and companies. Uh, so they, that happened last week. Alibaba, as I understand it, is not going to be delisted because they don't, do not have exposure to these sanctioned companies. But it is sort of caught up in this whole U.S.-China regulatory it's stuck. It's, it's stuck. stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could throw darts and try and figure out where this thing's going. But, um, you know, you made that low on the actual panic day when the regulators stepped in. And you tried to rebound and you had short-term profit taking in there. So it's it's I'll, my 50% is off a little bit on that. But you guys can – you guys are smart. You guys can do the math. It's uh, – what was the low that day? That low that day was actually what two eleven? I think so. Yeah, I was off by a lot. Two eleven, and then your rebound high was forty three, thirty two point move, sixteen. Yeah, twenty seven, right there. I'm not too, even though my lines are off. That that's just that's the chop. There it is. Until the street decides that they're done being regular or whatever's going on. It's the headline. It's stuck. We're waiting for the headline. We're in waiting. This is a stock in waiting for what is happening with the regulation of Alibaba. What is happening with Jack Ma? Maybe, you know, but, you know, maybe, maybe the company's separated enough from Jack Ma now. But we know Baba's being looked at from antitrust issues. So what are the regulators going to do over there? We said before, we don't have precedents. They don't regulate like they do over here. So they're regulating a company. We don't know what they're going to do. And the market doesn't know what it's going to do. And it's a huge unknown. Don't kid yourself. The company's fundamentals are good. It doesn't matter if the regulation comes and it hammers it. 
So that's why you got to sit in. I think you're coming in and buying the dip. It's a coin flip here. Maybe they come in and say, oh, yeah, you know, we're giving them a break here. And, and Jack Ma is going to, you know, get he's going to get back on the good side of regulators here. But if that doesn't happen, the stock could get hammered, too. So it's not a low risk trade It's a headline stock right now waiting for a headline. Let's just do one more. Did you guys see GameStop this morning? It's been moving. So they announced that the 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 founder of Chewy and a couple of his his guys, his his CFO and CMO, are joining the board sure. of GameStop. I guess that's bullish. They also said that their holiday sales fell three point one percent year over year. I guess that well, I guess that's bearish. I don't quite know. <laughs> I can't understand the rally in this, but again, some of these retailers that were for dead, um, you know, have obviously had significant rallies here. Even Bed Bath and Beyond, you know, it just doesn't want to go down. It's holding that 18 level. 18 just huge on that stock. I've got all these stocks in the same camp. It's retailers that are not firing on all cylinders, but it doesn't seem to matter. They're just buying stocks, you know, on dips, no matter what it is. And it's the dash for trash too, as well. They're finding reasons. I mean, the technicals look fine on GameStop. The fundamentals is what scares me on GameStop, Bed Bath & Beyond. It scared me on Al Brands, even though Al Brands just continues to rip, and I guess they've turned this company completely around, which I don't understand whatsoever But from a fundamental basis. But the technicals aren't lying. GameStop continues to have you know headlines that come out, and the stock pops on them. So yeah. I'd say in, innocent until proven guilty on GameStop. Uh, this whole $22 area... Very, very important. You couldn't quite get there. You see you had a couple daily highs over 22, and then you failed. Maybe that negative news came out after the positive news. Ah, uh, boy, I mean, this thing moves around pretty good. I just look at these lows here, and I would say no major downside. You have one, two, three, three lows in a row here. Three, actually... Actually, four out of five lows is called 1720. You're a ways away from that. But until you breach that, a trend is still up in GameStop. Let's just do Let's one look more. at balances. We haven't okay. looked. And you know, we used to do this every day. And then people, I think, just get bored with it. But, I mean, I'm telling you, where stocks, you know, what's looking weak at the, in the open and what's looking strong. Lots of selling balances across the board. I got General Electric with $1.1 million to sell. That's significant. Um, AT&T, 257000 to sell. That's significant as well for AT&T. Pfizer, 171000 to sell. Wells Fargo, 135000 to sell. Uh, sneaky one, MO, 102000 to sell in MO. That's significant as well. Um, Boeing is your big one, 298000 to sell in Boeing. It's indicating a $200 open here right now. So, you know, continued pressure here. 200 is huge for Boeing here this morning. Yeah. All right, 902. That's a good place, I think, for us to wrap up. So thanks to our guest today, Tim Quast. We appreciate all the comments from him, all the comments in our chats. There is our YouTube chat. There's people on Facebook. There's people on Benzinga.com, people on Benzinga Pro. We appreciate all of that interaction and more. Want to remind you all for the final time today that today's show is sponsored by Market Structure Edge. It's the first decision support platform for traders built on Market Structure. To learn more, go to marketstructureedge.com. Uh, for everyone listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Hit that like button as well. That, that helps us a lot. 
We appreciate all the likes because that means YouTube will put our video in more places on the site and more people will be able to find us. And that is always great. So uh, that's a wrap. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Stay safe. Good luck in your trading. We'll be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. And have a good day. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit score grows, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Bill Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC, out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.